Good morning. We are thankful for the good crowd this morning and your attendance to be here with us. We've got many who are, some who are traveling. We've got many who are out sick. I know that sometimes it is difficult for you to get here and feel like being here, but we're always thankful when we can be together. There's some who are by themselves. I think about Carol and Marvin, whose spouses aren't able to get out yet and are feeling not great. Think about Brenda and Son. Son said, we're here, but we're not sure we were going to make it, but we're here. We're just thankful that you're with us this morning, one way or the other, that you chose to, to get up, to get out, and we can be here to worship together, especially to our visitors. We always try to say it, but you are our honored guests, and we're thankful that you came our way, whether you're passing through, maybe you're here and you're looking for a new church home. Either way, let us take a moment to greet you, and we are thankful for the opportunities that we have to encourage one another, not only in our worship, with our Bible class hour, if you were able to be a part of that, but even here in just a few moments as we finish our service we take time to fellowship and enjoy one another's company, and it is an encouragement, and it is a wonderful blessing of being together. Over the last few weeks, if you've been able to be with us, we've talked about God's scheme of redemption. We talked about God's scheme of redemption because it was important for us to notice that with God's scheme of redemption, we can see throughout the Bible this plan, this scheme, that from the first sin that man was involved with in the Garden of Eden, that God made a plan. He had a plan. And he made a way for a sinful people to be with a holy God. But not just that, when we look at the whole picture of the Bible, we talked about God's plan of salvation. God's simple plan of salvation, which is what applies to us today. Again, it's, it's too much for us to talk about just in a very short moment, but we can take a big picture look for just a second and say that it's great to be able to look through God's scheme of redemption and see that as part of the New Testament, the New Covenant, that we can obey his simple plan of salvation. He again made a way for a sinful people to be with a holy God. But as well, we talked last week about God's second law of pardon. A phrase that maybe you're familiar with and maybe you're not, but it's encouraging to know. Maybe you knew the concept, but you would never heard that phrase used before. But the idea that God has made a way again for a sinful people to be with a holy God. Because all of us who are Christians know we're not perfect. And we mess up again. We're thankful that we're not struck dead. Or that it's one chance and if you mess up, you're done. We're thankful that that's not the case when it comes to being a Christian, being a child of God. The Bible doesn't exactly say second law of pardon. But we do read, as we looked at last week together, the idea that God has made a way for those who obey His simple plan of salvation to become Christians, become a part of the church, a part of the family, to have a way out when they mess up, when they make mistakes, which we all do. No preacher is immune from it. No elder is immune from it. No deacon, no church member is immune from it. We all mess up, but we're thankful for God's second law of pardon. All of these things are meant to rectify the sin problem that mankind has, and again, to bring a sinful people to a holy God. All of these things are meant to cause comfort in mankind. But what happens is, even after all of that, we sometimes still get in our own way. We sometimes have problems recognizing our own sinfulness. And even when we do recognize our own sinfulness, we sometimes feel like we're not sure that we're going to go to heaven. You've all heard the preacher do it. I would have to probably raise my hand and say as well that I've probably been guilty of it as well. But we've all heard the preacher say it. He looks across the audience very quietly, very directly, and he says, what 
if you died tonight? Or what if you died today? And he's asking that question out of encouragement, even though it sounds a little bit much to think about and a little deep and something we don't want to consider. But he's asking, what if you died today? And the problem is that some of us would answer that question by saying, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what would happen if I died today. Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe not just when the preacher asked the question, but maybe you felt that way during the week. When you get up and go to work, when someone says something to you, when you interact with someone, when, when something happens in your life that causes you heartache and grief, maybe you felt that way before. I don't know if I'll go to heaven. Now that little word if is, is underlined on the screen because it's going to be important to our lesson this morning. If you've got your outline and you're following along in the bulletin, you'll see it and all of the points that we're going to make. But the question is, not only have you felt that way, but maybe the more important question is, does God expect us to feel that way? Is that the way that God wants us to walk from day to day and through this Christian life? Like most everything else in the Bible, when we feel this way, God had a plan. God planned for it. And what he did is he left for us the book of 1 John. If you've got your Bible this morning and you're following along, we're going to stay primarily in the book of 1 John. Because God knew that you would feel this way. He knew that I would have this thought. And he planned for it by giving us the book of 1 John because it deals with this topic. The whole book deals with this topic. I heard Brother Don Blackwell, who preached a lesson on this topic, uh, he preaches it several times, but I've heard him say before that, that you could read the book of 1 John once a week. You could read it at least once a month to take comfort in the things that we're going to be talking about. John gives us an interesting statement as he begins. Look in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 4. John says, and these things we write to you. Why are you writing, John? What are you trying to tell us? These things we write to you that your joy may be made full. That your joy may be made full. Believe it or not, it is not God's desire that his people suffer or worry or be anxious. And if you're writing that down, I'm going to give you a second and we're going to say it again. Because we might could just stop here. This might could just be the end of the sermon. Because the whole point is, it is not God's desire that his people worry or be anxious or suffer in regards specifically to our eternal destiny. To where we're going when our life on this earth ends. Doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect. We've said that numerous times. And you might notice, it doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect, that you're never going to have anyone die, you're never going to lose anyone in your family, or that anything bad is going to happen to you. But it is not God's desire that his people suffer or worry or be anxious. That's why John writes that your joy may be made full. John says, I am writing these things so that your joy may be made full. So that you won't be worried. So that you can walk here in the building and you can sing with confidence, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. So that you can sit here and you can sing with all of your heart, it is well with my soul. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be anxious. So what has God given to us? What has God given to us that helps us see this fact? 
Again, if you're making notes there, you might write out to the side, 1 John, next to the title, because that is where we are going to stay. First of all this morning, what has God given to us? Well, we have continual cleansing. We have continual cleansing. That's a comfort. We would like a continual cleansing if we could have it with a lot of things in our life. My children would gladly tell you that they would each pay a million dollars if they could sign up that our house would be continually cleansed all the time and their mother would stop bothering them about having to clean up. We would all be happy if our cars would be nice and clean constantly. The idea of continual cleansing is comforting to us. Notice in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, when we talk about language, and language is interesting. I was pretty good at English when uh, I was in high school because our t- my teacher made us for the ACT test, but I forgot a lot of it. But in language, there's, there's a thing called tense. If you know, we all use it every day, even if we don't really pay attention. But in the English language, tense is more about time, past, present, and future. We use tense in that regard to explain time. But in the Greek language, it's, it's a little more than that. It talks about time, but as well it talks about the, the time and activity of the verbal action. Now, I don't want to get too deep or make you confused, but notice here in 1 John 1 and verse 7, when John uses the word walk, what he's using there is what we sometimes call the, the present active subjunctive. The verbal action is that it's a continual thing. It's why we're using the word in our point today. He would say that if we would keep on walking, that if we would continually do that, but go on down because it doesn't stop there in verse number seven, we have the fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, and the ideas used again here or similar cleanses. Again, a present tense, an idea of a continual process that if we will keep on walking, then we will keep on being cleansed. If we will keep on walking in the light, then we will keep on being cleansed. Now, there's a couple of things that are interesting when we say that. Number one, the interesting thing is, is that if we sin while we're walking in the light, that means that, that we sin. We're walking in the light, but yet we still sin. So when you sin, when, after you become a Christian... That's, that's not out of the ordinary. But notice as well, this is saying that I don't have to be perfect. Even though we sometimes think we have to be perfect, I don't have to be perfect. If you think you have to be perfect, the Holy Spirit, by inspiration, anticipated that and discussed it. Look in verse number 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Holy Spirit anticipates that and he tells us, he notices that we might think that we have to be perfect, but if we say that we're perfect, we're liars because it's not possible. If we sin while we're walking in the light, which we're going to do, as long as we keep on walking in the light, then we will have that keep on cleansing or that continual cleansing. Maybe you're like some people. They have the feeling that they pray at night before they go to bed and they say, Dear God, please forgive me for everything I've done today, any sin that might be in my life. You lay your head down on the pillow, you sleep for six, seven, or eight hours. Maybe you wake up and you have a bad thought. And then, so you think you're lost. 
And then you've got to stop and pray. So you pray to God, God, please forgive me for that thought, and you're saved again. And, of course, you get up and you get out in the traffic and you start blaring your horn and yelling at the person in the car next to you. Ah, I messed up again. I'm lost again. So you get to work and you stop and you pray and you say, well, God, please forgive me for doing that on the road. And then you feel saved again. And you spend your day going saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost. That's not how God intended for people to live. Here in 1 John, in the book of 1 John, that's the point. We do not have to go through our day going saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost. It seems silly, but maybe you've done it before. Maybe you've had that thought in your mind constantly. I don't know if I'll go to heaven. Notice, let's turn to Romans, Romans chapter 4. I told you we'd stay in 1 John and and we'll come back and be there most of the time. But 1 John 4 and verse number 8, excuse me, Romans 4, Romans 4 and verse number 8. We'll look at two passages here and we'll go back. Romans 4 and verse number 8. Paul writes and says, quotes here, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So if the Lord is not going to impute sin, that person is blessed. The word impute there means to mark up against. To mark up against. So blessed is the man whom the Lord is not going to mark against him his Sin. We begin to see a picture here of God. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. Romans 8, 1, Paul says, There is now, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've looked at this verse before. There's a blessing in being in Christ. Baptism puts us into Christ. And there's no condemnation. But does that mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. We see this picture of no condemnation, of a continual cleansing. Now, notice, as you look at the screen here, and maybe you make the note, the word if. We've already used it and said it, but this is not unconditional. We do not have the continual cleansing just because we are immersed into the waters of baptism. We have the continual cleansing if we walk in the light. If we walk in the light, walking in the light is living in compliance with the will of God, with the word of God, following after his commandments and his statutes, doing what he would have us to do. Notice it says, if we walk in the light, look back at verse number five in first John one, it says, God is light. This is not an unconditional promise, the continual cleansing But it is based upon walking in the light. There is a condition and we must continue to walk in the light. But the comfort this morning comes from knowing that if we walk in the light, we can have this continual cleansing. We don't have to spend our day going back and forth and back and forth. We can feel the comfort of continual cleansing. Number two, we have confidence as well if we are of the truth. If you've got your Bible, look in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 19. 1 John three nineteen says, And by this we know. We're going to come back and talk about that word in just a moment. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Continue reading. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. Toward God. You know, despite the assurances of Christians, despite what the Bible says, I know my own sins. I, I know my own frailty. And maybe you feel the same way. I know that I've got issues and I've got problems. 
Despite the assurances we have in the Bible, we sometimes feel like, I know what I've done. I know the problems I have. And that makes us worried. That causes us to be worried about things. The question in your bulletin on the screen to start with was, I don't know if I'll go to heaven. If you're doing your best to walk in the light and you still have doubts, stop worrying. That's the point of the lesson this morning. Stop worrying. Look at verse number 21 again. If you can get past your doubt, you can have confidence. Confidence toward God. Notice chapter 2 of 1 John. 1 John 2 and verse number 28. John says, and now little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. For many, the day of judgment is scary. And standing before God might cause us to be full of fear. But that doesn't have to be the case. The Bible says that we can have confidence. But notice again, verse number 19. There is a condition. Verse number 19 says, and by this we know that we are of the truth. That we walk in truth. That we're trying to be faithful. That we're walking in the light. Again, John knows we're going to feel this way. And he's going to try to help us with this. He's going to paint this picture. It's conditional. There's an if. But if we will walk in the light. If we will be of the truth. If we will follow after him. We can have confidence. We can have continual cleansing. We are able to destroy our doubt and our worry. You don't have to sit here on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, or all through the week and feel lost, feel doubt. John uses the word confidence, I think, three or four times maybe here in the whole book. But we can have confidence. But notice again the condition, if we are of the truth. And then thirdly this morning, we have boldness if we keep his commandment. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 17. See, God knew that some of us would fear. And some of us, some of you may be sitting here saying, it's human nature. You know, it's just kind of natural sometimes to feel afraid or feel unsure. I, I understand. Sometimes we're unsure of the future and what's going to happen. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised a clean bill of health throughout our lives. Sometimes we fear. God knew that some of us would fear that I might not be ready for the day of judgment. In 1 John 4 and verse number 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. We can have confidence. We can have the boldness. It's not a lottery. We're not standing there hoping. On the day of judgment, we're going to be huddled together with our hands going, oh, please pick me. I hope that I've done enough. I hope it's all right. We're not just hoping. Look at one more passage, Titus chapter 1. Notice in Titus chapter 1, in verse number 2, when we talk about biblical hope, and this is a whole sermon in and of itself, but when we talk about biblical hope, Paul writing to Titus says, in hope, in hope of what? In hope of eternal life, which God... There's the phrase there, the parenthetical phrase, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Now, it's interesting to me there because Paul didn't have to say that, right? We know God. He didn't have to say that, but he adds it in there. 
in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. See, I can't say that to my kids. Sometimes I can tell them that I'm going to do something, and sometimes I can hold up my end of the bargain. Other times, maybe something happens. Maybe I get sick. Maybe something comes up here at the church building, and I've got to leave. And I might not be truthful, but not on purpose. But God, who cannot lie, promised eternal life. And we live in hope of that. Again, the biblical idea of hope is, is not that I hope it won't rain the rest of the day, or I hope that it doesn't rain on Tuesday or next week. It's not even that I hope that, that, that dad or grandpa will buy us ice cream for dessert when lunch is over today. It's not, not hope like that. It's the confidence. It's the boldness that John would speak of, that Paul would speak of. We can have confidence in the day of judgment. And if you're a Christian, you should have boldness. You should be sitting there this morning and walking through your life with the boldness of what will take place on the day of judgment. And on the other side of the coin, if you're not a Christian, you should be afraid. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be any way about it. I'm not trying to scare anybody. That's not the point. But if you're not a Christian, if you're not walking in the light, you should be afraid. The beautiful way of heaven is real. The, the horrors of hell are real. Heaven will be a wonderful and beautiful thing. And hell will be a terrible and awful place. If you are a Christian this morning, you should have boldness and confidence. It's not rubbing my fingers together. Do I have enough four-leaf clovers? I, it's not a hoping in the sense of we don't know what's going to happen. It's a confidence and a boldness. But notice again the condition. Look in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Back in, in chapter 4 and verse number 17, we talked about love. Love has been perfected in us. But chapter 5 and verse number 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. We ought to love God and loving God involves keeping his commandments. And notice again, the Holy Spirit by inspiration doesn't leave us wanting. He says, what's the very next phrase? And his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. We can do it. We can keep his commandments. We can be faithful. We can walk in the light. Very quickly, let's look at this concept in action. Turn to Luke chapter 1. There's actually a couple of ways, but we'll look at Luke chapter 1 together in verse number 6. Luke chapter 1 in verse number 6, we meet a couple of important people. We meet John's birth that is announced to Zacharias and to Elizabeth. And in verse number 6, we read about them. Notice what it says. And they were, number one, both righteous before God. Did they sin? I'm sure they did. But they were called righteous before God. Number two, they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances. Did they sin? I'm sure they did. But they were called as walking in all the commandments and ordinances. Number three, and of the Lord... They were blameless. They were blameless. What does blameless mean? They were righteous before God. They were walking in all the commandments of God. And they were blameless. Let me ask it a third time. Did they ever sin? I'm sure they did. And think about this. This is the Old Testament. This is the old law that they're living under. It's in the New Testament, but, but they're living under the old law. And they were considered blameless. They were considered righteous. 
What about the New Testament? What about us living under the precious blood of Jesus? How much more should we have confidence and boldness after Jesus has died on the cross and shed his blood? The other example that we won't look at in detail, but is, of course, of our elders. First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, they're called blameless. Perfect? No. But blameless. God gave us a fix for our fear. If you are worried, if you are anxious, if you have fear about the day of judgment, God gave us a fix for our fear. He gave us a fix for our doubt. And that is that we can have the continual cleansing. We can have confidence and boldness. But it comes from keeping these conditions. Walking in the light. Being of the truth. Keeping his commandments. One more passage here and the lesson will be yours. Again, 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. That you may know that you have eternal life. This morning, based solely on the word of God, you don't have to say, I don't know if I'll go to heaven. You can boldly say with confidence, I can know that I'll go to heaven. First John chapter five and verse number 13, that you may know that you have eternal life. By the way, I did the work for you 41 times in the book of first John. John uses the word no. 41 times John uses the word no in different ways and about different things in a sense. But he's saying you can know that you can go to heaven. You don't have to pillow your head at night in danger, in worry, in doubt, in fear, in anxiousness, because you can know with confidence and boldness that you can go to heaven. Now, you all here give me lovingly give me a hard time about stepping on toes. Well, I think I found the sermon that should encourage us all and lift us up. The happy, feel-good sermon that we can all leave this morning with confidence and boldness, knowing that we can go from day to day, walking in the light, keeping his commandments, being of the truth, and we can all know together what will happen on that day of judgment. Have, having confidence before him. But there is the conditions. And this morning as we conclude this lesson and we begin here in just a moment to sing this song of encouragement, the point is, is so that you can consider your life in regards to the conditions. Are you a Christian? You see, you cannot even begin to consider getting into heaven or being found faithful if you've not obeyed God's simple plan of salvation. It's a wonderful, beautiful feeling to know that your sins are washed away. That comfort and peace that you felt, God expected you to continue to feel that. All throughout your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to become a Christian. We would gladly assist you with that or even studying more about that if you would like to know more. Maybe you're here this morning as well and you stand in need of God's second law of pardon that we've talked about. Maybe you've not been walking in the light. Maybe you've not been keeping his commandments. And only you can answer that question. The song has been selected that you can be encouraged whether you need to become a Christian or come back to him or whether you need the prayers of this congregation. We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.